Hello and welcome to Wrestling with Statistics, a unique wrestling analysis podcast based around using statistics and analysis to talk about wrestling in a unique and hopefully interesting way. Um, this week, as you can probably tell by the complete difference in accents, it is Craig from ProWrestlingMusings.com again playing host. Um, Ryan is away this week and not available, so I am going to stumble through hosting duties once again. Uh, however, I'm very fortunate to have a very special guest. I have with me Dan, that you will probably know on Twitter as the excellence of procrastination. Hello, Dan. Oh, Craig, thank you for having me. Oh, you're you're very welcome. Um, so, Dan, first of all, the excellence of procrastination. What what is that about? It's when I was thinking of a, uh, a Twitter name. Generally, you know, not very good at puns, but I wanted mm. a bit of a bit of a Bret Hart theme because he is probably my uh, my favourite of all time. And that was basically what I came up with because actually most of my uh, my wrestling watching is me procrastinating from doing actually uh, helpful <laughs> things. So. Sounds like it sounds like a good way to uh, spend your time. And um, well, that, that kind of leads into uh, my my kind of next question. What? How did you? How did you get into? Um, how did you get into watching wrestling? It's quite a strange one for me actually, because um, I, I did watch as a kid. Now, I remember watching some of the earlier WrestleManias, um, Ultimate Warrior, Hogan, for example. That's one I, I definitely remember. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think sort of drifted out, um, probably actually around about. Was it WrestleMania uh, nine, I think, that awful Hogan Yokozuna thing where, and my favorite at that time, Bret Hart, was sort of just completely sidelined. Um, and then didn't really watch again until about sort of four or five years ago. So I missed all the good stuff, basically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, that sort of started noticing, um, I can't even remember sort of what got, got me back into it particularly, but there's a lot of the videos on YouTube that I was watching. Mm-hmm. So watching sort of top 10 videos and things like that, you know, the what culture and, and cultaholic yeah. videos and things like that. And I sort of did that for a year without really actually watching any wrestling. And then sort of thought, well, why, am I, uh, why am I watching these videos rather than actually watching the, the wrestling itself? Um, and then started to get, get back into it from there. So you've you've kind of had like two periods of getting into wrestling then, exactly. And I sort of yeah. spent a lot of the last few years sort of catching up on uh, mm. on everything that happened in between, which is quite nice actually. And, and you know, to say a lot of bad things about uh, about WWE, but the the network is is very good mm. for being able to to catch up on things like that. Oh, so you'd have you'd have been um, you'd have been able to kind of check in on the golden years of wrestling, the kind of um, you know Randy Orton, John Cena saga. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, the, the, all, all, all twenty-seven of them. Actually, <laughs> I watched with uh, bated breath. Those um, in-ring classics, famously. <laughs> so, so was there was there some was there like uh, wrestlers or product in particular that kind of stood out from those videos? Like, was a, a New Japan NXT type thing? So it, it it was the WWE stuff to start with, just because that's mm-hmm. where a lot of the um the videos led. But I, I did quickly get into NXT, um, and and really sort. Of that was, I think, really got me back into wrestling properly was watching um, those takeovers because that was sort of in the, the middle stages of the takeover period where they'd really hit their stride and watching people like, um, like Samoa Joe and, and then Nakamura. And that's the sort of thing that then led me into the, the Japanese wrestling, which is probably what I, I spend more of my time watching now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it sounds like quite a, quite a common kind of path in, you know, NXT. Um, then, you know, perhaps like... For for me, I think it was like um, Co- Cody went, and I kind of watched a bit of his Ring of Honor, and then that lead led into um, Kenny Omega. Chris, I think Chris Jericho helped as well. Kind of that kind of period. Uh, sounds like you're maybe a year or so before, perhaps. So yeah, again, but actually, the Jericho Omega match was probably the one that really sort of hooked mm. me into it. I have to say, because obviously it got a lot of uh, attention at the time, yeah. and I remember watching that, thinking it was like nothing I'd seen. Even on mm-hmm. NXT, to be honest, at that point it was, and, and seeing someone like Chris Jericho, who I knew anyway, um, doing that sort of that style was fantastic. And and then and Kenny Omega has been one of my favourites ever since then, really. Yeah, it's funny how you you'd almost just like need one one little um, hook, and then you're in. Um, I was list, I was listening to uh, Voices of Wrestling last night, and they were talking about how AEW are almost like throwing all these hooks out there, like Bischoff, um, even Arian Andrew, um, Zack Ryder, like they're, they're probably not being used as like in-ring talents. They're just like hoping that their social media 
um, presence or their kind of WCW following or whatever kind of like piques somebody's interest and then they then they see Omega or they see Shida or whatever and get hooked in, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting point because obviously uh, there's a lot of complaints, I think, from people who knew mm-hmm. the elites from beforehand that they're not being pushed as the stars. But actually, it's only the people who watch New Japan in the first place who would have known them. So actually, you, you do need to go wider than that. And yeah. as you said, that's why they're presumably casting their net a bit a bit further, which unfortunately does lead to, you know, the odd Mike Tyson moment. But uh, yes, <laughs> but, but yeah, absolutely. You can sort of see why they're doing that, for, particularly for a, a new company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so you, your um, passion kind of within wrestling seems to also be writing about it. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so again, that's actually something I've only started very recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been on Twitter for quite a long time, and then yes, whilst you know, it obviously has its uh, has its difficulties, as I know you've you've Twitter. talked about here before. Twitter. I know, I know, what are you I know. About, man? I know. What is this like lovely, <laughs> uplifting space. <laughs> But uh, I sort of try to uh, to to manage sort of who who I follow and, and speak to, and, mm-hmm. and I've enjoyed yeah. that side of it, and just realised that I had sort of more to say than uh, than two hundred and eighty characters each time, and <laughs> yes. so just uh-huh. uh, just started doing a bit of writing, and, and so it really is very new. Um, but uh, but it's something I'm enjoying at the moment. I'm not sort of necessarily focusing on anything particular at the moment, but um, sort of just writing about lots of things that that I'm interested in, mm-hmm. and, uh, and just yeah, it's again not something I'm aiming to do sort of particularly long term or anything like mm-hmm. that it's just something i enjoy doing at the moment and it's, uh, it's good and, it, and it's great being able to to be involved in, in things like uh, pro wrestling musings where there are just you know, mm-hmm. sort of immediately you've got a community that you can that you can speak to which is it's just really good yeah like try yeah it's weird like trying to um this may be a bit of a deeper question but like how how do you find the kind of um the kind of like I I have a struggle with Twitter where like I have my really good intentions where I want to speak about wrestling with people because I don't know about you but like my everyday life is it's a it's a niche interest not a lot of people that I you know, I've got like one friend that's in, that's into it that's about it that's what um, so <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> so yeah well that that's kind of what drew me onto Twitter and then you kind of want to get more involved and do something creative but like. It's really, really hard to, or I find it hard to manage like the the kind of genuine wanting to talk about it and connect with people about it versus the kind of um, ego bit of like, oh, I've got all these followers or oh, all these people have liked my tweet or such and such has retweeted um, my tweet. How, how, how do you find that having perhaps been on for a bit longer? It is tricky, and, and I was very guilty at the start of being on Twitter of just desperately trying to mm-hmm. increase follower numbers rather than actually sort of looking at who was following and who I was actually interacting with. Um, but I, I think there's definitely a lot to be said for actually spending time speaking to people in more detail on Twitter rather than just trying to do that. And you get to the same point, actually, with um, when you start writing, you, you need to be careful not to worry too much, in the, particularly in the early days, about number of views and things mm-hmm. like that, because actually then it starts becoming not as much fun <laughs> and yes, you start yes. sort of uh, sort of doubting what you're doing. So, um, yeah, it, it's, I, I can see how people get sucked down that, that road, I have to say, um, particularly in Twitter where it you know, mm. does become very competitive a lot of the time. Um, but I'm, I try, try, try my best not to get, uh, get to yeah. it. And I don't mm. want to say to you that numbers aren't important because obviously that's, uh, <laughs> that's against the very, uh, the very spirit of the website. But yeah. Oh, like it's, <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's. I suppose it's a balancing act. You kind of, you you kind of need to bear the numbers in mind. Um, but yeah, you don't want to get sucked into kind of um, yeah, kind of social media type um bad habits. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I I've come up with a with a with a question. Um, I was listening. I was just listening to a podcast earlier on today. Um, and they were they were talking about um like wrestling as a sport and i don't know why my brain went like this um, and i'm simply asking you this because i've just thought of it like half an hour ago but i think it's quite interesting um is wrestling a sport that is an interesting question i would say it's not actually mm-hmm. and i think because ultimately my, my definition of sport has always been a sort of a genuine sporting contest mm-hmm. in that there's you know a winner or a loser and it's actually who's who's best who goes on to win 
Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, wrestling doesn't have that. It's, you know, it is predetermined, yeah. etc. Um, but, but I think within that's what I would have always said. But I had this thought: like, could wrestling not be a sport if it was treated like gymnastics or diving or like synchronized swimming or like you know those sports where it's a performance um, and then it's subject. It's a subject. You know, it's a subjective sport because somebody's rating it. And I suppose that's where things like the the ratings mm-hmm. come in from, you know, whether it's Meltzer or or anyone else. You know, you do get that sort of performance analysis, mm-hmm. and in the same way, I suppose that um, you know, theatre and, and music mm-hmm. people rate those as well. Um, so whether it's a, a sport or not, uh, I'm not sure, but you can certainly have a sort of a winners and losers on an actual performance base there, um, mm-hmm. based on those those ratings. But I suppose that the issue with that is always. Who's coming up with uh, the the yeah, basis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, yeah. that's one of those things that uh, that sends the Twitter sphere that we talked about previously into meltdown at times if mm, they don't yeah. those, those ratings. Yes, yes. Which is why I quite like things like uh, the grapple that's appeared recently. I think that's a far better way of, you know, you know, uh, Dave Meltzer deserves his respect in that, and he he is he his ratings are very very worth listening to. But at the end of the day, you know, one guy, um, I'd much rather look at the kind of crowdsource ratings. Absolutely. I, I really like Grapple as well. It, it mm. seems to be it's sort of very easy to use. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also it, it is just a number. So you don't get people sort of desperately trying to you know, make their point, particularly on there. It, it, you're people just voting on the, the quality of the match. It's good to see. I quite like doing those sort of comparison between that and the Meltzer statistics, mm. actually, just to see where the, uh, where the discourse lies a bit more, than, as you say, than just one person. Yeah, yeah, and I'm very kind of pro. Oh, we can't just be listening to one person, but I, I think I've seen it like graphed before, where it's like Meltzer's ratings versus the Grapple ratings, and like he's he's not like he's not far off. No, and and I think he gets a lot of stick from mm-hmm. people unfairly. Um, I don't think people necessarily understand sort of the way that he marks because he he does look more at the the actual wrestling side necessarily. Mm-hmm. That, I, mean, I, I think looking back the. The one that he's always criticised for is the uh, the Undertaker Shawn Michaels match, which mm-hmm. I think he only yeah, yeah. in 4.5, 4.75. Mm-hmm. And you can see why people might you know, be upset by that, considering how good that was. But mm-hmm. when you then compare it to some of the Japanese matches that he's giving five stars, yeah, you yeah, can yeah. perhaps understand where he's coming from. Yeah, I, I've, I don't want to dwell too long. As I do understand the, bi- the bias claims. Um, it was the week that it was... Um, Bash at the Beach, for, no, not Bash at the Beach, Great American Bash versus, um, I think it was just Fighter Fest 1. And it was it was kind of a case of like, Cody and Hager got four stars and Sasha versus EO got three points something. And it was just a bit, I don't yeah. know, even as an kind of a <laughs> AEW kind of uh, supporting person, I was a bit kind of like, um, not sure. Yeah, no, that was actually exactly the week I was just thinking when, in terms yeah. of uh, when the, the bias became a bit more obvious because that certainly wasn't a four-star match. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Um, okay, so um, Stardom, which I have been very pleasantly surprised with the last couple of days. Um, I've watched I've watched two matches. I watched, on your on your recommendation, I watched Mayu Iwatani, Iwatani keep using the M, uh, Iwatani versus uh, <laughs> Takumi, Takumi, oh, this is really bad, Takumi Aroha, that, I think that's how you say it, um, that was the first one that I watched, and that was really, really good, like one of the better matches I've seen this year, um, and then this morning, just because we were doing this, and because it's kind of happening right now, um, I again watched Iwatani versus Julia, which, again, I thought was absolutely superb like really really good um how did how did you get into stardom uh so again probably more through the the nxt side of things there so um kairi sane in particular mm. I, I thought was fantastic when she first came through yeah um and you know i was I enjoyed Asuka, although Asuka didn't come from from stardom itself. Um, and then obviously you know, Shirai was the next one. And I started to think, well, where, where are all these people mm-hmm. coming from? Um, but also some of the sort of the Western stars that I liked, people like Tony Storm, had all been yeah. there as well. Um, so so yeah, I, just, I went to to find some matches just on YouTube to start with, um, and from there I just thought this is this is fantastic, and, and signed up to the uh, to the I forget what they call it now the 
the stardom, start, stardom <laughs> yeah stardom world it's just i don't know if it's been changed that name since bushy road bought it but it's just it's like um njpw adjacent kind of in terms of language yes indeed yeah but yeah i, I just think it's a it's just a very fun but sort of technically good as well mm. uh, promotion very yeah, very of, technically good yeah, I mean, I, I would say that it, with those two matches, not everyone will be like that. Sure, you? yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, when you get, you know, the odd Death Yamasan match, for example, you okay. might have to lower the expectations slightly. But uh, but even though that, that's sort of a good example of that sort of comedy in their wrestling, which is, mm. I quite like that mix as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just, it's very likable. I couldn't even, like, even the promos at the end, it's not, it's, when you read the words, it's nothing, it's nothing particularly, like, it's not, um kind of injury smashing pipe bombs but they they just come across really well i can't quite explain why i think it's because they're quite natural um i don't mm. know there obviously isn't a single scripted word of it i think they're obviously mm. again given the sort of bullet points perhaps but sometimes not even that i don't think um so it just comes across as quite natural which is very different from what you mm. see um i mean even in, in new japan to be honest um there, there's just something about the uh, the stardom of what way of doing yeah. it that feels much more relatable Mm-hmm. Um, so what we usually do is we'll go for the statistics and we have a go at kind of um, playing kind of wrestling commentator, wrestling critic and kind of figuring out um, the story that's being told in the match or the point in the match where um, somebody wins or you know loses because of um, whatever. It's quite experimental, but we've been finding it works all right. So um, if you as the listener uh, person who's listening and um, would like if you're kind of on a walk or whatever and you don't have the youtube version up and um, if you go to prowrestlingmusings.com and you find the maya itani versus julia article you'll be able to see all the graphics i'm talking about which um i would suggest does help because it's a fair bit of numbers um, in a short space of time and um, so we've got First, we're going to look at the kind of the stats breakdown, what kind of offense was used by which competitor. Um, and there's a very kind of strong theme throughout this match that Julia is in control and Mayu Itani is trying to fight back wherever possible. Um, Julia actually dominates Maya Itani in terms of match offense by 14%, 58%, 42% bleeding to her getting in more strikes more strike downs um one dive each mayu uh, mayu atani um, gets nine grapples to julia six julia runs away with the submission game 97 seconds worth of submissions from julia compared to 29 from iwatani um reversals are pretty much the same iwatani's going for more pin attempts maybe feeling the tide against her and trying to get out when she can um what the other statistic that I did take out of this is there's a really intense part of this match where Julia and Itani are on top of the turnbuckle fighting for dominance and Julia lays in 14 headbutts in quite an intense exchange. Uh, that is 34% of Julia's total 44 strikes um, is from those headbutts on, headbutts on top of the turnbuckle. Um, Dan, do any of these numbers jump out at you as being important in telling the story which led to the result, or do any of these numbers stand out as being um, numbers that are kind of an indicator as to how stardom sets up um, a wrestling match, how the wrestling match plays out? So, I mean, this one in particular, it was very back and forth, and and actually that probably is quite telling in terms of Mm -hmm. how stardom do their their matches you don't often see sort of long periods of dominance for for one mm-hmm. person over the other um but as you said this one did it was sort of julia almost leading and and Mayu yeah. desperately sort of fighting back each time um i mean that's that you said there about the the headbutts that i mean that yeah. whole exchange was just brutal <laughs> it was it's yeah, one, of the, one, yeah. of the, one of the bits of uh of wrestling that's always made me quite squeamish seeing yeah headbutt each other but 14 mm-hmm. like that in a, a short period was um yeah, it was uh, was quite something to watch. The, the stat that I thought was impressive was the number of reversals from both of them, actually, which mm-hmm. I think that, as you said at the start, very technical. And I think mm-hmm. that does does show that um, the, the more more reversals than more than grapples are quite significantly as well. I think sort of shows that they were both really struggling to uh, sort of to actually finish their moves because the others were other person was so good. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I was, I was just the first, the first like five minutes of this. It's, um, it's all reversals and like really short submissions. It's so like it's so technical, um, and I, I find that really engaging. Like that, that kind of like really technical. It's like two experts struggling for dominance almost, and I, I really like that in wrestling. Yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. And, and that fits these two perfectly because. Mm -hmm the people who haven't watched it before that they are both the two main belt holders at the moment so Mayo is the sort of the equivalent of the world champion and Julia mm -hmm. is the, the white belt holder which is the, the second belt but right. she's basically undefeated bar one pinfall mm -hmm. in her entire time there so these two really are the uh, sort of the one and two in stardom at the mm -hmm. moment so that sort of plays into that idea that it's it's going to be tricky for one to to beat the other mm -hmm. Okay, and they're in the same group, which is quite interesting. Indeed, um, yes, yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah, the, the sort of um, thing that you see in these tournaments, which you, know, you wouldn't normally expect them to go up against mm. each other, but uh, it's certainly a good way to, to start off the tournament. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It would kind of, well, it's, it's kind of um, hooked me in. Um, I mean, as you're saying, other matches, you know, this is kind of your Okada-Tanahashi match, perhaps, or okada Naito. so it's, you know, you can't, um, there might be a Yoshihashi or two in stardom, I'm guessing. <laughs> Sadly, yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> um just just on just on that, the way that they they kind of did the match. Um uh, Sam, I think it's maybe Sam Brown, he goes by Sam B on Twitter. He did an article recently um about Kenny Omega and about how the way that Western wrestling is shot, um might be limiting Kenny Omega and he, he it was a really good article he had um gifts of like how AEW shoots the V-trigger compared to how New Japan do it and essentially western wrestling when a move hits to kind of play up the impact they have like a camera cut um so the, the V-trigger hits and then it cuts and you see the guy falling down Whereas in New Japan, Kenny Omega would hit the V trigger and the camera's on it all the time. So you really, again, you really see the impact. I, I would argue that like that shows more of it. Um, and again, I think that, I think that um, really played out in this. They weren't, when they were kind of struggling for holds, they didn't cut every time somebody twisted an arm or something. And they really kind of showed, um, how the whole hold looked and and now that i've read this article i watch what the camera is doing so like instead of cutting the camera just moves and you can really you can really see what's going on um, and it's not something i've ever thought about until i read that but i know yeah, you're gonna have me looking at the camera now yeah okay? yeah definitely yeah but um but thinking about it so there was the um the sort of the kick exchange which i think was the yes other. yes so yeah that was I think the, at one point iratani yeah. hit sort of three or four super kicks mm -hmm. Um, and you, the camera stayed in the same place that, that mm -hmm. entire exchange. You didn't see any cuts at that point. So you did really sort of see the full impact of, uh, of those moves. And again, I suppose the, the headbutt exchange as well being another mm -hmm. another example of that. Yeah, it's just really interesting how the major American companies have gone with cuts make it look good. Um, but yeah, I don't agree, I suppose. No, it, it, it's a different one. I, I don't know if you watched it when it was briefly on the um, the ITV World of Sport um, version that they did more recently. Um, the sort of the... I saw the first episode. I saw um, the one with Will Osprey and uh, Davy Boy Jr. Yeah, and and that had more cuts than mm. wrestling moves in it. Okay. <laughs> baffling watching that one, and um, I'm not sure. I, again, I didn't continue watching that too much after that mm. one because it actually made me ill. <laughs> so many. <laughs> cuts but uh but no, it's not something i've thought about particularly but that's something i'll, I'll look for now and you're right when you think about in, uh, new japan in particular um and stardom they don't move the camera about too much at all you generally have sort of the same viewpoint for for a lot of the match yeah 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 uh, which yeah which is i'll yeah i'm sure you'll um notice it more now because it's one of those things that like until it's put in your head you're like oh that's why i quite like this style um which is quite interesting um, so yeah, Dan just went, Dan kind of mentioned what I was going to mention next before I was able to, which is good. Um, he must have been watching the match um, carefully. Um, so we're now going to move on to flow of offense. Um, and as as Dan so insightfully mentioned, um, this so this is, you know, this is crisscrossing everywhere. 
Um, as the match goes on, it's perhaps crisscrossing even more because there's exchange of exchanging of strikes. Um, however, which this graph doesn't perhaps show is kind of the, um, the all the reversals to begin with. Um, the match very much started with uh, a kind of uh, a Japanese lockup style where they're exchanging, trying to get dominance. And it, again, it eventually breaks down into strikes and grapples and, you know, uh, a wrestling match. Uh, the match had kind of two big strike battles. There was um, like a kick battle. I've never really seen it to this extent. They were kind of doing big boot boot type kicks and exchanging those, which was, they looked heavy um, to put it like that. And then towards the end of the match, there was um, from like 13 minutes onwards, there was a more of a common Japanese style forearm battle, but that went on for a long time. And if you've got the graph in front of you, you can see it. It's like the pink and the blue are crisscrossing the whole time. Um, and again, the way that this match panned out, um, it was mainly Julia kind of has slightly heavier offense than Mayu Furout. Um, however, there's one huge um, burst of offense as Iwatani tries to get into it towards the end. Um, whilst that, she hits uh, took three grapples and dive um, in the same kind of sequence of offense. Um, Julia kind of puts, puts the contest to bed. Uh, with a kind of an offensive offense of three grapples, a 32 second submission attempt. Uh, she goes in for a pin, which she doesn't get, uh, but she eventually hits her finisher um, to win the match. Um, Dan, does any of does any of this uh, stick out as important, or I don't know, maybe a question more for uh, my curiosity. When whilst going through that, does does it kind of? Um, does it kind of prompt the memories of that kind of thing or is the kind of is it kind of maybe too far removed in terms of language and visuals no i don't think that as i said at the start it felt like a very backward back mm -hmm. and forward match and, and that uh, sort of the flow of offense definitely shows that um and as you said if you sort of look at the the peaks of it throughout it, it is julia just getting more each time mm -hmm. even though yeah um, they're sort of going backwards and forwards actually the the big peak just after 10 minutes mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if that's the uh, the side suplex where it looked like she'd absolutely broken Mayu's neck. To be honest, it was one of those things that uh, Mayu apparently does a bit like Will Ospreay. She's she's quite fond of landing on her neck. Um, yeah, there was there was <laughs> one where I proper cringed. Yeah. Um. That that big that big jump actually after ten minutes. That's the headbutts and then the superplex. I think she does off oh, the yeah. top. Yeah. 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 Um. The well, I don't know where the suplexes are. Would that have been towards the end, perhaps? I was going to say yeah, it was quite towards the end. So yeah, maybe it's I think that one, might be in the, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's that huge spike at the end, maybe. But I, I think again, so looking at that that trend, you can sort of see, even though it was back and forth, mm. it was Julia just getting them the most of it each time, yeah, yeah. and that obviously built up over the the course of the match, and and presumably that's what wore Mayu down by the uh, by the end. Um, the other thing, actually, we didn't talk about the. And the submission amounts, but uh, mm. Julia was was focusing a lot on mm -hmm. on Mayo's arm, which was obviously heavily strapped yeah. up as well. So again, just sort of slowly wearing her down over the match, but having uh, to soak up a lot of offense at the same time. Yeah, which again is a quite a feature of Japanese wrestling. It's um, more nuanced. They they do kind of tell those um, more tactical stories. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's sort of very reminiscent of uh, some of the New Japan matches when you, you mm -hmm. watch the likes of sort of. Goto and Ishii, who yeah. will uh, deliver. Tanahashi. So yeah, exactly. Deliver hundreds of strikes, but receive quite a lot themselves. It's mm -hmm. just a case of how the match develops as it as it goes on. Yeah. Um, so then the other thing I've been doing is I've been breaking the matches down into five minutes, um, and it kind of just um, the idea of it, Dan, is when you when you watch a football match and it's like it breaks it down into fifteen minute chunks. It's you know Man United had sixty two percent of the possession you know, for this 15 minutes, but then only 25 for the next. And I've always found that really interesting because it just kind of shows the flow of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is supposed to be the kind of, that's this is essentially what I do. I kind of take things that I see other places and kind of just pretend I've come up with it for wrestling. Um, <laughs> it's not as smart as it looks. <laughs> um, so yeah, five minute chunks of the match. And which, what is really interesting here is 
that Mayu Itani, uh, I'm, I'm butchering these names, I need to hear them more. <laughs> um, Mayu Itani actually, so out of the 15 minute match, well, no, 17 minute match, um, so there are only three like complete five minute chunks of this. Um, Mayu Itani actually gets more offense than Julia in two out of three of those chunks. Um, the main difference in offense is that Julia has a huge amount at the end um, and the the five minute period that Julia wins does have there's a big bit more of a gap between the between the two wrestlers so she does she does um get more offense than Iwatani throughout the whole match but there are there are chunks where um Iwatani is is you know she's not dominated throughout the whole match um, which is interesting um, Absolutely, and, and again, yeah. sort of plays into that idea that the uh, you know, that Julia is almost taking more of her opportunities. So it, when she wins mm-hmm. her five minutes, she wins it by that that bit more, yeah. which mm-hmm. uh, which wears Mayu down for the uh, for the match overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, then w- w- if you look at your kind of last chart there, and um, this is very similar to the first chart. It's just a lot more visual. You can really see the. I mean, it's obviously the submissions that jumps out there. There's a huge um, advantage for Julia there in terms of submissions and the other advantages for her are a bit a bit smaller you can see the grapples for Iwatani um, and then we've got the the kind of the pie chart that really kind of visualizes um the, the the offense and you can see that there's there's an advantage there for Julia but it's not it's not huge this was still a very competitive match um that Julia just about bested Iwatani for um I I found um, Julia really compelling throughout this as a first-time viewer of hers. Um, however, I have seen some criticism on Twitter of this booking decision. I don't know what you make of that, Dan. Yeah, it's an interesting one with Julia because, as I mentioned earlier, she's um, basically unbeaten mm-hmm. since. Well, say basically unbeaten. She did lose one match and is refusing to acknowledge that. But uh, right, okay. <laughs> but actually, interestingly, the one person that she has been pinned by is the person who pulled out injured before the tournament. So right, okay. no one, no one in the tournament has has mm-hmm. pinned her or beaten her. Um, but so yeah, I, I think there's a slight feeling around uh, some Stardom fans that she's sort of been brought in and given the the Roman mm-hmm. Reigns push a bit. Oh, I see. Um, okay. And there, there's also. There was some controversy about her arrival in the first place. She was effectively sort of pinched from a another promotion, right. okay. um, which which d- didn't please a lot of people. But um, mm-hmm. and but that's I, a bit I, of a faux pas in Japan, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's certainly yeah. not uh, not as common mm-hmm. um, as it is as it is in the US. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I can understand that. And she, she's obviously gone on to win the white belt in that time. Um, mm-hmm. Some of that was dictated by the fact that the existing white belt holder had to retire injured um mm. Arisa Hoshiki, which was a shame because I think that actually would have been a great match between the two of them. Um but yeah I think that's the the issue and you know obviously if your your red belt champion loses in the first match, I mm-hmm. think a lot of people are a bit concerned about what that means. Um but it's something I actually thought probably would happen because mm-hmm. I think they will probably set up at some point a a match between these two um which will go a little bit longer and yeah. uh, and be possibly even better if they're if they're given that bit more time. I mean, my guess would be, as a complete novice, that it's kind of set up for Julia to now win the tournament and challenge Iwatani as somebody that's already beat her before. It's interesting. Um, so my prediction to to win the whole thing was from the other block, um, Momo Tanabe. Mm. Okay. Um, and and my thought around this is, um, well, I, I really hope that Stardom don't get stuck in the double champ Maya than mm, yeah. wants to get stuck at the moment. Mm, yeah, it doesn't work. It's and, awkward. And I don't think it helped NXT either. No. Um, so I, my feeling is that ultimately Julia will will not win this and then will continue defending the white belt. Um, mm-hmm. There's actually a, an ongoing feud between her and um, Tam Nakano, who's in her block as well. Um, okay. So that'll be, that'll be one to look out for because they've been feuding for quite a while now. And in fact, they were the final of the, the tournament recently for the white belt um and so we'll get a, mm-hmm. an immediate sort of rematch between those two so that that will be uh, that'll be interesting um but i mean certainly you could see them just continuing this this run for for julia of 
sort of winning everything and, and going mm-hmm. on to, to face Maya as well. Would would the would the possible other possibility be that um so somebody else wins this and then Julia is a challenger for Mayu kind of like they do in the G one you know you have your winner but your champions lost um so uh, the one that springs to mind is Kenny Omega had to defend against um Ishii before he got to Tanahashi um at Wrestle Kingdom because Ishii had beaten him in the block would it be that kind of is yeah, that sure. kind of tool. Yeah. Absolutely, I suspect they will. They will do that at some stage, mm-hmm. um, using that defeat as a, as, a, as a reason for that, um, and, and obviously the fact that they've had such a good match in the first place. You'd uh, yeah, you'd hope it would pique people's interest. Yeah, it, it's interesting. So obviously, I've watched those two Stardom matches now, and Mayu Iwatani was the, the kind of one of the names that I knew uh, going into this. And um, she's lost both those matches, um, like and. Th- the Takumi Aroha match, the thing that really stuck out in that match was she only got 30% of the offense. It was a huge um, 70% to uh, Takumi Aroha. Yeah, that was a, a very different style of match because, uh, as you said, Takumi just dominated that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the much stronger opponent and, um, yeah, sort of bullied Mayu for a lot of that match, really. Mm. Um, it's an interesting match that one because Iroha's not actually in Stardom. Yeah, um, yeah. She she was in Stardom previously, um, but is now in I think a promotion called Marvelous. Um, okay. And she was sort of drafted in on a day's notice for that match because mm-hmm. Maya was supposed to face someone else. Yeah. Um, so the, the fact that they put a match on like that on a day's notice was, was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those things that's hanging over all of this is if, if Maya goes on to win the whole mm-hmm. tournament. Um, who who would she pick to yeah, face? Yeah, um, and one of the obvious ones is is Takumi Aroha. I I really liked her. I thought she was great. She was that, that was one of the first times I'd seen her as well mm. in that match, and she was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um and and looked sort of very dominant, and, mm. and you could imagine her um, sort of taking that title from Maya if that's the if that's mm. the way they want to go. And that um, they they kind of did the the WCW. Um, uh, NWO Rey Mysterio spot with the ring post. Yes, yeah, it's quite was, brutal. Yeah, that was crazy. That's a, she looks like a, a very different. We talked about it sort of being very technical at the start mm. of all this. Um, Takumi was sort of very a different style of that, a lot more sort of strength and, and power and a lot of striking. So, an, which I think perhaps played into the storyline on that match as well, in that Mayu yeah, was facing yeah. something that she uh, she hadn't faced before. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Dan, in the same kind of stardom vein, moving along, you very kindly did a pre five star Grand Prix power rankings for ProWrestlingMusings.com. Um, would you like to take us through some of the highlights of that to kind of give the listeners, um, if like me, they want to jump into stardom um, during the five star Grand Prix, which is just to be clear, essentially um, the G1, but stardom's version um, so it is going to be their kind of uh, one of their flagship events. Um, what what can they look f- forward to? Um, I suppose the article is more about the wrestlers. Would you like to Would you like to take us through some of that? Yes, absolutely. I think one of the really interesting things this year is there's a lot of debutants in the tournament. Right, okay. um, partly because um, none of the the foreign or gaijin wrestlers mm-hmm. are there mm-hmm. at the moment. So people like. Uh, B Priest, B Priest, well, actually, not sure if B Priest will be in it or not. Who knows? Um, but yeah, yeah. and uh, Jamie Hater, people mm-hmm. like that, they're, they're obviously not not available. So you've got people like um, Starlight Kid, um, okay. and Saya Kamitani, who I don't think would have been expected to be in it normally, um, but who kind are both like the New Japan Cup, I suppose. Exactly. Yes, yeah. very similar. And and we haven't seen a lot of them in, well, particularly in the case of Saya Kamitani, a lot of them in one-on-one competition. Um, mm-hmm. It, you, know, you do get a lot of uh, tag team and three-way matches in um, in Stardom, mm-hmm. so you don't always see a lot of these people in in one-on-one matches. So yeah, yeah, it'll be yeah. really interesting to see how some of them get on. Um, but also, I think that that also provides the bookers a bit of a, a easy sort of decision to to give other people some pins if, if necessary. Sure, so sure. There are people who can eat those eat those pins if necessary. <laughs> but um, but then you you've also got people like so. Just looking at my list um, in terms of the power rankings, I've got Himeka at mm-hmm. um, 13, but she has actually won uh, six of the seven matches mm, she's been yeah. in since, since her debut. Um, and I think she probably will be towards the top of the actual... Is she uh, in 
uh, Julia Stable. Yeah, she's the newest yeah. member on uh, okay. Donna Del Mondo. So, um, and and in fact, is facing Julia today or faced Julia today. I believe. Mm. She don't know what the result of that is. Um, mm. But um, obviously, I think at the end of the uh, the Julia and um, and Mayu match, she maker made the the point that she was going to. Yeah. Be, yeah. So um, so I think they've got big things planned for her. So while she might not be sort of top of the sort of the power rankings as they were before the tournament, I suspect she will be much closer to the top by the end. Mm, yeah okay um who who else do people need to kind of bear in mind so my personal sort of pick um to, to do very well i've got them at number four here is momo watanabe oh, so yes in the, in the blue block um so the other side of the the draw from everyone we've seen so mm. far um but she's sort of had She's almost a veteran at the age of twenty, which is sort of ridiculous, really. Um, but sort of <laughs> not unusual in stardom. Yeah, yeah. Um, she uh, she held the white belt for a long time, um, and then once she lost that, she, so two thousand and nineteen mm-hmm. was quite quiet for her. Um, she she wasn't involved in a lot, which is what makes me feel that she's really sort of going to come back this year. Okay. Uh-huh. Um, and it'll be really interesting to see how she gets on in her first few matches to see sort of what the uh, what the plans are for her. Yeah, I'm I'm familiar with you know I'm familiar with her name. She's what must be one that people have referred to as being involved in good matches, perhaps. Absolutely, yes, and and she's actually looked really good since coming back from from lockdown as well. Some really good performances. So um, so I think looking for the big things from her. Um, and the other person in that block who I've actually got above her in the power rankings is um Siori, who is mm. unbeaten since lockdown or since the return okay. from that. Um, she's also a member of, of Donna Del Mondo. Right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he's looking very strong and very good, uh, mm. going into the tournament. I think the only thing that makes me think she probably won't go on to win it is that she's actually got a match lined up with Mayu for the, the title right, at some point right. during the tournament already. So it'd be a slightly strange. She beat looking. Mayu as well. She pinned her in a multi-man match. Oh, um, I see. I see. Uh, um, so she gets the, but also just the fact that she has been unbeaten for so long, I think, mm-hmm. is, is put her in that position. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, the other the other name that jumps out that um, people talk about a lot, um, and I'm wondering if she is Stardom's Ishii, um, Jungle Kiona. Yes, I, I, I've often said that she's um, Stardom's Naito, actually. Except right. Okay. Unlike unlike Naito, she's never actually been given the chance to mm-hmm. to win the belt. Um, and, there's a lot of criticism of her booking recently, actually, because um, she was obviously very close with uh, with Hannah Kimura, mm. who died earlier this year, uh, mm. and um, so she she came back a bit later than everyone else um, and went into a, a title feud with with Mayu Yotani, um and sort of had a, a championship match in mm-hmm. Jungle's hometown, you know, with all of the emotion of the Hannah Kimura situation. Yeah. And then was defeated, and I think people okay. thought, well, if she's never going to, if mm-hmm. she doesn't win it, then she's never going to win it. Um, and I mean, she's she's hugely popular, and she's fantastic to watch in the ring as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do with her going forward, because um, I'm not sure how long they can ignore the uh, the public yes. <laughs> outcry of her not winning something. Um, but I, I personally don't think this is going to be it for for her this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it would be too soon after the last chance. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's also it's such a strong block anyway. I mean, mm-hmm, yeah. Below her on that list, you've got Utami as well, who's just become one of the tag team champions. She's looked very good going into ah. this tournament. Um, so yeah, it, it, there's not a weak block of the two, certainly. Um, further, further back, number eight. Um, that's another name that I'm somewhat familiar with, Tam Nakano. Yes, so this is um, mentioned her earlier as having had the feud with with Julia, mm-hmm, um, yeah. And so looking at her record, there she's had, I think, five defeats mm-hmm. out of seven it, since uh, coming back from lockdown. But I think either three or four of those were either to Julia right. or members of Donna Del Mondo. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, she's almost been in a sort of single feud around that. Yeah, um, yeah. She's quite an interesting character because she's sort of displayed as this sort of quite sugary sweet <laughs> persona. Right. Um, but she does every now and again just sort of completely lose her mind, which is quite fun to watch. But okay. um, Naito, and uh, not Naito, sorry, Ibushi-ish. Yes, a little bit like that, actually. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, particularly when she goes up against Julia again, whether that that side of her comes out a bit more, or okay. 
But uh, I mean, again, someone that I wouldn't be surprised to, at all to see win that block. Right. Okay. So I've uh-huh. got a relatively low down that um, that top yeah. chart. And actually, the one person I haven't even mentioned is the one person who in the red block who I said would win the red block, which is Konami. Um, so another member of, um, of Tokyo Cyber Squad, so mm-hmm. which was Hannah Kimura's um, right. stable. Um, she got to the final last year. She okay. got to the final of previous tournaments as well. She's sort of always been the runner-up and never quite got to the uh, Go got to the win the final. A little bit like that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there's certainly an equivalent there. Uh-huh. Um, but I really wouldn't be, because of all of the sort of the competing uh, issues that other people in the red block have got to go for. Right. So I don't think Mayo necessarily will win, for example, because she's already the red belt holder. As, as I said, I think Julia will be focusing on the, the white belt. Um, it, maybe it leaves it open for Konami to, to win the block again. So in terms of winning the whole thing, um, based on everything you've said there, is Momo Wantabe, is she perhaps one of the kind of booking kind of logic favourites? Absolutely. I mean, that's who I have gone with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is one of those tournaments where you could ask me the same thing again half an hour later and I'd come up with yeah. a completely different uh, <laughs> a completely different answer. But no, I, I think Momo is is my favourite to win it. I think a Momo v um, Mayu match would be absolutely superb to watch. They, they've mm-hmm. gone up against each other relatively recently and it was good, but I think they they could really put on a um, an absolutely brilliant match. And, and I think it's probably time for for Momo to move up to that uh, that red belt level and, and sort of start to be the face of the company. And where where does this where does this all lead to? What's uh, when and what is kind of Wrestle Kingdom? Well, they will have um, an end of year. Well, this is assuming it's the same as uh, as last mm-hmm. year. Which, yeah. you know, who knows what they're doing at the moment? But they tend to build to a big show at the end of the year. Okay. Um, on uh, the twenty fourth, they had it last year, um, and that's where you, you likely get the big the big title wow. matches. All the titles will be on the line. Um, so, quite what they do in between now and then, that they actually won't have as much time as normal mm-hmm. to sort of yeah. squeeze in other. Um, other matches, I suspect, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see Momo v Mayu be that the match that headlines that at the end of the year, certainly. Cool. Um, anything else you want to bring up in terms of any of that stardom, or are we happy with that? The, the only other thing I was going to mention is, say, looking at the stats from uh, mm-hmm. um, these matches post lockdown, if you look at them, the, the stats for all of Donna Del Mondo are, are ludicrously strong, and, and that's certainly one right. of the stories they're telling going into this tournament. Um, I think they hold the trio's belt. Um, Micah holds the future of stardom belt. Okay. Julia's obviously the white belt holder. Mm-hmm. So you know, I think they are really building them up as a, a dominant faction. And, and interestingly, they're all sort of, they've all come in from outside, from other promotions. So there is a sort of a slightly NWO mm-hmm. feel about it, I suppose. I can't stop um, comparing it to NGPW. I've got um, <laughs> Los Ingonabolis in my head in terms of, a comparison. Yeah, it's interesting. I would have said more the um, the Tokyo Cyber Squad were that. Oh, sort really? Of, okay. Um, but obviously, that faction is understandably mm. in a yeah. bit of flux at the moment. A bit fair with Jungle and Konami sort of leading leading that faction okay. at the moment. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the story is going to be the strength of uh, of Donna Del Mondo going through the tournament, um, even if they don't necessarily get to the finals. Perfect. Um, so just wrapping up, Dan, um, would you like to share your current favourite wrestler, um, favourite match and a podcast that um, people should check out? And I'm really not looking for you to go, this one, a genuine <laughs> podcast recommendation. <laughs> uh, so in terms of favourite wrestler at the moment, um, probably Darby Allen. actually. I'm saying that mm. sitting in in my Darby Allen t-shirt at the moment. Oh, really? Oh. I think I just, I love it. I, I've seen him sort of on the the indie scene in the UK a couple of times before he went to to AEW. And I really like his his style. Mm. Like watching the the Moxley match uh, this week. And there was a moment where he just did a, a dive through to the outside, which most people use their hands to sort of block mm. them. He literally just torpedoed straight yeah. into yeah, I can't imagine he's going to be resting for very long. But uh, I always remember. I remember. I remember very clearly the other one he did against Moxley in the first match. I think it was Moxley where he just came into the ring and sprinted and low paid straight away. 
absolutely yeah very similar approach and it's just sort of thrilling to watch someone who's again a very different style to normal um i, I always like people who stand out for that reason mm -hmm. yeah he's i think and, he's uh, compelling i think that's the word yeah. for him compelling uh, yeah exactly the only my only concern about him is when they're going to be, to actually be able to move him up because he, he keeps mm -hmm. losing in these uh these tough battles yeah. but that he will need to need to win at some point yeah yeah absolutely in terms of uh, favorite matches this year, my my favorite match has been the um, the Adam Page Omega versus the Young Bucks match. I absolutely love that, and I, and I love everything that they've been doing with that whole division. Actually, this year, um, I think it's been such a um, sort of good story from beginning to end, and then they keep adding to it now with with FTR coming in as well. I think there's so much to enjoy about uh, about the storytelling there. Then mm -hmm. um, away from AEW, the, the Takumi Aroha match and, and Mayu, who is one of my favourites of this mm -hmm. year, certainly. Um, and do you have a podcast recommendation? In terms of a, a slightly different one, because I mm -hmm. talked a lot about sort of um, things like Stardom and, and AEW uh -huh. wrestling here, but there's a particularly good one called Bang Bang Podcast, where um, a couple of guys basically go back and, and pick uh, an old school wrestler. So I mm -hmm. think this week they talked about IRS, um, and, you know, and basically they they get drunk and chat about <laughs> okay and it, it's it's just it's a it's a fun little sort of community to be part of actually they um they sort of do a lot of interaction with people and they also go and look at uh, some of the old shows so they did an old clash of the champions recently um so again it, it, whilst i am quite critical of wwe a lot of time it is nice to go back and uh, mm. and listen to some of the positives about them a lot of the time yeah 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 absolutely uh, there are there are some <laughs> there are yes sometimes you have to go quite far back but uh, yes. there are some uh, yeah uh, thank you um very very much for uh joining us today dan um it was it was really good to um pick up a different um a different topic and explore stardom um hopefully people people that are listening um will be kind of motivated to go and check it out it is it is if from my point of view it seems like a really good um time to do it and i've i've certainly um, really enjoyed the two matches um, that, that I've watched and I'm kind of intending on I won't I won't be able to watch all of the five star but kind of picking up the kind of the bigger matches um, that get kind of well rated or that have um, the kind of people that have been particularly interesting so far um, is there anything you'd like to share with people in terms of like where they can find you on Twitter or um, where to pick up um, how to kind of get your blog and that kind of things Absolutely. But first, thanks for giving me uh, my, my podcast debut. It's very no, kind. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my Twitter is at Dan Spurs Quins, which unfortunately gives away my football allegiance, but uh, <laughs> hopefully people won't talk about that. Um, and sort of the, the articles that I write, um, some of which are on, on Pro Wrestling Musings, mm. um, I sort of collate them on my site, which is yes. uh, wrestlingwithprocrastination.co.uk. Um, so yeah, have a look at that and, uh, and let me know what you think. Brilliant. Um, thank you very much for joining us today, Dan, and thank you very much for listening. Mm -hmm.